Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tooth Doctor Podcast, the show where I talk to people from around the world in different healthcare professions. I'm your host, Dr. Dylan, a general dentist based in Ontario, Canada. Joining me for today's episode is the incredible Dr. Nick Sharma. Thank you so much for being on the show. You can go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, my name is Nick Sharma. I'm a pediatric dentist, uh, born and raised in Montreal, but now practicing out of the greater Toronto area. Awesome. So Nick, let's get into it. Uh, why did you decide to go into dentistry? Uh, dentistry it actually was pretty much a backup plan. I started with uh, wanting to be a teacher okay. and then coming from an Indian family, um, got a lot of talks about medicine, medicine, medicine. Um, honestly, there was nothing else other than medicine on the table. A lot of my friends and family friend circle was that's what they were doing, right? So that's all we got exposed to. And then um, when I told my mom I want to be a teacher, I remember the first thing she said, she's like, uh, we'll reassess this topic later kind of thing, you know? And uh, as I got into school, high school, grades were doing well. My parents just kind of put that in my face and said, look, you're doing well in school. You should become a doctor. And that's when the medical, um, you know, investigations started. I started looking into a career into medicine, um, saw my pediatrician, was really impressed by him told myself that's who I want to be I want to be my pediatrician and uh, wanted to be a medical doctor treating kids um, it was only until like I would say in my teenage years towards the end of high school that I realized by shadowing at hospitals as well as you know just volunteer work that this is not the life I wanted and this is not what I saw myself doing um, I did want to provide health care just not in that environment and not in that lifestyle and um used to have braces at that point so started looking at my orthodontist and I'm like you know what the lifestyle is pretty good and it was mainly based on lifestyle and healthcare, the combination and I applied into both medicine and dentistry and uh next thing I knew I got into dentistry medicine I was on the wait list so I said let's follow my gut lifestyle everything else yeah did you consider any other like professions in healthcare or like you were just probably dentistry was it yeah, no, it was only it was only those two, honestly. So I didn't do an undergrad. Um, in the way it works in Quebec is we can actually do grade eleven, and then you do two years of college. So it's like eleven plus two, and then you apply either into an undergrad or in Quebec we have pre dentistry. So I applied into pre dentistry and pre medicine, and that's like one year plus the four years of everyone else, like dental school. And uh, I got into uh, yeah pre dentistry, and um, those were my only two real options on the table and I said you know what if I don't get into either then we'll uh we'll reassess well that's so interesting I honestly didn't know that that Canada had like those types of programs I know they had those in the states and then if you go to like other schools like say in Australia they go directly from high school but I didn't know they had that in Quebec that's interesting okay so yeah. that's really cool so if you were to be a teacher like was, was there a, like a course or a subject that you were interested in uh, yeah, I was really good at math growing up. So I thought maybe math would be the best. But honestly, I would probably stick to like elementary school. So you teach everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, there's no specific. I, I mean, I was under like 10 years old at that point, or even under 12, I think I thought, you know, being a teacher. And uh, so I never really, yeah, never <laughs> thought of which topic, but uh, definitely wanted to do the age group of elementary school. Would you ever like consider like teaching at like dental schools, like your specialty, like teaching pediatrics? Because like, I mean, that's kind of a win-win for you if you wanted to be a teacher. Yeah, you, I mean, you're right on track of finding out my next uh, step <laughs> and next process I was going to explain is once I uh, became a pediatric dentist, I actually went back to Montreal and was offered a uh, director of a residency. 
So I did work as a director of a GPR program at the Montreal Children's Hospital um, for four years. So I taught. Yeah, I definitely went back into education and uh, I still continue to teach through webinars and, and, you know, different ways now. So, yeah, teaching is still part of it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you kind of talked a little bit about like why you wanted to work with kids, but like how can you decide to specialize in pediatrics into that specialty specifically, like and maybe not something like orthodontics? Yeah, so I actually applied into dentistry and I remember still at my interview, my pre-dentistry interview was they asked, you know, why did you choose this career? And I told them I wanted to be an orthodontist. So yes, that was definitely the initial uh, process. And honestly, when I started going through dental school, um, I realized orthodontics wasn't as um, engaging for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, you know, I stopped going to my orthodontist and then I stopped being exposed to the actual environment in private practice. And in dental school, orthodontics, it's not the same. And, and, and it wasn't like we were doing, you know, complex cases or, or very engaging cases is what I would say. Uh, so I started losing interest in orthodontics and I started looking back at, you know, my past and I wanted to be a teacher. I did a lot of volunteer work and part-time jobs growing up only with kids. Like every single part-time job I did growing up was with children now that I, you know, started thinking back and, and I realized, okay, I'm good with kids. I like being around kids, but still wasn't convinced I wanted to be a pediatric dentist. And um, my administrator at that time, as well as, you know, some of my classmates were like, you know, if you don't become a pediatric dentist, you're wasting your skills. And so my mind obviously starts getting influenced. And I did a GPR, which was at a pediatric GPR. And I told myself that, you know, usually you start your GPR in July, you apply for a specialty in September, October. So I'm like, I have two months to figure out if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I jumped in, I took all the difficult patients, difficult cases, I just kind of showed up every day. And I got bit, spat on, thrown <laughs> up, you know, kicked, everything peed on even and i'm like oh <laughs> yeah 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 there's a whole story for that but anyways so once i saw that in the first month and it happened literally in the first month i saw a lot of traumas on call we worked at a really big hospital so we saw a lot of emergencies and i'm like if this is as bad as it's going to really get like this is the worst of the worst mm -hmm. i think i can do this for the rest of my life so that's when i applied into pediatrics and never really looked back so, well, I want to learn a little bit more, like, how does, like, the residency process work? How long was your program? And, like, what is, like, the day-to-day, -day, like, as a resident in pediatrics? Yeah, so I, I mean, you can do a three-year uh, pediatric residency, or you can do a, there's two-year residencies as well. So right after dental school, I wasn't sure if I was ready to apply to a specialty. So I applied to a one-year GPR, so a general practice residency. You can do this with, you know, adult patients, but you can also do them with pediatric patients. So the reason why they call it a general practice residency, they still include some components of adult dentistry. Uh, so I was at a pediatric hospital. I was in McGill under, under the faculty of McGill Dentistry, and uh, we saw 90% children and 10% were just either employees or staff, you know, in the clinic as well as the hospital, and they would be our patients. So we would be a mix of both kids and adults, but 90% children. And this was literally on-call trauma, emergencies, you're, every day you're seeing kids and you're seeing complex kids, right? These are kids that the private practice community doesn't necessarily want to see them or able to handle them and therefore are being referred to a residency program. So I did that for one year, probably the most intense year of my career. 
Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I applied to a two-year specialty in the States. So all the specialty, pediatric specialties in Canada are three years with a master's. I did a two-year non-master pediatric residency in Rochester, New York. Awesome. And that was the same thing, two years of just pediatrics, but different rotations, you know, you have different exposures. Uh, it's just a two-year process instead of that one-year intense that I did. Yeah. And then like, so working like with kids in dental school and then like working with kids in like obviously residency, you're just doing more yeah. complex things. Cause like based on my experience in dental school, it was very kind of basic stuff like Fisher sealant, yeah. stainless steel, like hall crowns or like stuff yeah. like that. The kids were some were difficult to work with, but like, it wasn't, oh my God, I can't do this. You were able yeah. to, get, to get through it. So it was like kids in your residency, were they like really challenging to work with in comparison to school or? Yeah. I think that's why most people, most dentists, when they graduate, they think of pediatric as like the worst nightmare, right? Like stay away, refer, you know, and and I hear it all the time. I see my residents as well when I used to teach and yeah, completely different, like day and night, exactly what you said. And in dental school, they give us the easiest cases. They give us the most cooperative, literally the minute they start moving around crying, they're kind of like already thinking about referring to a specialty residency or, or a private practice. So um, yeah, I did sealants. Honestly, even back then, I didn't even have the like, I guess, vast like uh, variety of treatments that you guys have now, right? So I graduated in 2012. Uh, prior to that, we did, you know, pulps and crowns and composites. You know, there was no SDF, there's no fluoride th- preventive therapy, there was no hall technique. So we literally just did sealants and composites. The minute it got into a pulp and crown type of thing, that's when we had to kind of back off. And that's where we started referring. And yeah, in residency, there was no referral. You were yeah. the last resort, right? So you did those cases. Yeah, I was going to say, like, once you're in residence, it's like, I can't refer to anybody else. I'm literally it. So I better know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so what kind of things do you like to chat about with your pediatric patients, especially to kind of get them over that fear of the dentist? Because I noticed some kids are the first, like, they don't really want to talk at, at the beginning. And then when you kind of like, you know, like lighten the conversation or you find something that similar interest or whatever, they're more open to being chatty and then they're not like super afraid of you. But how do you like yeah. with your patients? Yeah. So, I mean, I started watching a lot more cartoon when I, uh, you know, headed towards pediatric dentistry. I started going to the movie theaters, but not watching like the Fast and the Furious. I watched, you know, the Barbie and all those types of movies. Um, And then obviously Paw Patrol, you know, you just, you have that playing throughout the day in your office as well. So you pick up on it. You know, now with social media, you know, I learned uh, Baby Shark songs and stuff, like things like that, where you're kind of just using bits and pieces throughout your day. Um, it's not it's not that hard, to be honest. It's very, very easy. You need a very small bank of, you know, conversations. Um, kids don't really want to know the science behind anything. Right. So you're actually just talking casual talk, Superman, superheroes, you know, those kind of things. I do um, do a lot of like pretend and imagination type of conversations. So you know, you could ask them to choose a profi paste, which could be, you know, there's, I mean, I have a red paste and I have a green paste in my office. Do I sometimes exaggerate that stuff and look for sparkles in the red paste? Yeah, of course there isn't any, but that's what I start using their imagination. They get distracted. Um, so storytelling is the biggest distraction technique in pediatrics and it's probably the best technique. So I just talk a lot, talk, talk, talk. Okay. Yeah. No, storytelling. That's an interesting one. Cause we're, we're always kind of taught like tell show do, but I feel yeah. like at that point, like they're not as interested in versus like you make it like kind of interesting, like you said, yeah. like with the storytelling. Um, so like, what's your favorite thing about working with kids? Um, 
honestly they're not they're like other than obviously the the lack of cooperation sometimes they're not difficult they're not like i would say that's the exact word they're not difficult people um whereas when i used to treat adults you know the slightest little things would be issues and then that's when the anxiety starts kicking in as a provider so with pediatrics yes behavior management is the stressful part but once you get past that there's no actual demands requests you know they're not difficult patients. So um, that's one thing. And then the other thing is, I think it's just, you get to be yourself. You get to be goofy. I mean, you don't have to put on that, you know, I'm a professional, I'm a dentist. I have to be like this. Of course, when I'm discussing with parents and discussing with, you know, staff, there, there's a different personality that I, you know, display. But when it comes to kids, I get to just be my goofy self and and also kind of just talk about fun stuff rather than dentistry yeah. and science. Well, it's just like, even like the kids like I dealt with, it's such a different generation and probably even with you as well. So I'm like, I'm trying to like figure out what they like, because whatever we yeah. watch as kids, they have no yeah. idea what it is. And then um, even like stuff like Halloween or like Christmas, like yes. getting that involved because kids like love that kind of stuff. Like, do you dress up like for Halloween? Like, of course, 100%. If I'm in the clinic, we're definitely dressing up. I, I feel like you have to. That It's just, it gives them something to get, again, it's all about distraction. So anything to distract them from what I'm about to do is is the purpose well i also saw on instagram the other day i forget who uh whose account this was but like he just dresses in casual clothes because he's a pediatric dentist just to kind of show like yo, i'm just a regular person because kids don't see you as like oh this oh doctor or whatever it is yeah. right just you're just some dude who's in their mouth kind of thing yeah. that's what they kind of think so um it was just kind of interesting perspective of well maybe when i see pediatric patients do i just do something casual that's an interesting like thing. that's that's a really good point. I saw that account. I know who you're talking about. And uh, I've thought about it as well, where I'm like, you know what, do I get rid of the scrubs? Yeah. Um, it's just hard because, again, we're in that generation where when we used to go to the dentist, it was very much like, okay, this is a professional setting. This is like a medical setting. And now we have kids that we do want to be friends with rather than that, you know, overbearing uh, disciplinary medical yeah. professional, right? Uh, but I, the way I go about it is I still wear scrubs and eventually maybe I would want to go casual, but I just start off by introducing I'm Nick, you know, yeah. I'm not Dr. Nick to them. Uh, parents still end up calling me Dr. Nick, but I just introduce myself as Nick. And I said, I'm going to brush your teeth today. Like, let's go, you know, kind of thing. So it's more of, like you said, that friend vibe. Yeah, exactly. And then there's even wearing like fun colored scrubs, like maybe not the bland ones, maybe like the bright blue or something in, yep. in like that. Um, so kind of on the opposite spectrum, what is your least favorite thing about working with kids? <laughs> um, honestly, I would have to say it's not even the kids, it's the difficult parents. You know, parenting has definitely changed over the last like I've been doing this for what, since 2012, it's pediatrics, let's say. So I've seen it. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's changing. It's changing. Parents, I get where they're coming from, but it they do sometimes add that obstacle and difficulty for us and how do you like kind of politely say like you know what because I find like sometimes it will what I, my experience in school was the parents would also be like oh are you okay like Jimmy or Sarah or whatever it was and it's like yeah we're doing something so much like I'm just doing an exam yeah. then the kid starts to like picture like well, what, what are they doing is there something wrong like what why yeah. should they be worried so it's like how do you politely ask a parent like okay let me just take the lead here like there's nothing gonna be going on or whatever I understand like you're kind of worried or whatever but it's your, your child at the end of the day but how do you politely kind of just tell them let me do my thing and then if I need you to like try to you know I think um like I use the exam visit as my pretty much base and foundation right so I try to gain their trust and I think that's why parents are sometimes overbearing it's it's they're scared themselves 
right? So they are anxious themselves. Um, and therefore, my goal is to first calm them down because the, the child will do exactly what their parents are feeling. So I explain them that as well. So I say, you know what, if you're anxious, he or she will automatically be anxious. So you have to be confident. You have to be tough. That's one thing. And then second I say is, listen, at the end of the day, you may be great help for me. So stick around, stay by. But at the same time, let us let me try to relate with him first. And then obviously, if I need you, I will grab you. But if you're there constantly, you're his escape. Yeah. Right? So if anything goes wrong, he knows he's got you to escape to, whether it's tears, whether it's through holding your hand, or whether it's through aborting the procedure. And I don't want you to be there as an escape. Exactly. So it's pretty much how I go about it. Sometimes it's also the idea of like, if... I sometimes ask parents, you know what, it's probably better you wait in the waiting room. And, you know, I know this kid won't be so cooperative. And I know there might be some tears and there might be some, you know, kicking, screaming, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so what I do is I say, look, if you're in there and you're allowing that to go forward, they're going to be upset at you. Mm -hmm. But if you're not there, whether you went to use the bathroom or whatever you want to call that, you know, excuse that we're going to use that why you left, then at least they'll be upset at me, you know, but and sometimes that works, you know, parents say, yeah, okay, that's true. That's a good point. I don't want to be in there. So some, some creative way, but at the same time, you have to be honest with them. It's going to most likely work better if they're not there as an escape, if they're there as a, you know, a, a help for you. Yeah. Well, that's great advice. Thanks, Nick. Cause I'm definitely going to be using that. <laughs> and a lot of other dentists listening to this podcast who are as general and we're wondering how to be polite, but like also trying to, you know, put, you know, so that's great. Um, how come you decided to start a dental Instagram account? Ooh, um, I guess it goes back to what the comment you made before is like teaching and, and how you love teaching. So I realized the problem was kids are suffering, right? They don't know um, what's going on in their mouth. They have a hole in their mouth. Now they have pain. Um, you know, we see a lot of kids with holes in their mouths, but they're not complaining. It's because they've normalized pain, right? So, and I don't think any child should normalize pain. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, what was the cause of like, how can I cure this hole that they're walking around other than just drilling and filling, right? So the problem is the parents, right? Unfortunately, they don't have the tools and the knowledge um, to take care of their child's teeth. And it was the same thing with my parents. My parents didn't know how cavities work. They don't know what diets. I just got lucky because less processed food back then, you know, more, maybe more dental insurance, more dental push. But now it's kind of like finances are difficult. Food is difficult. You know, what's the hygiene that we should be practicing? There's so much information out there that I kind of wanted to say, okay, well, how do I get to the most amount of people. I can do the one patient in my office every half an hour, but that's not enough. So I started thinking about social media a long time ago. It was never to make it a business or be, you know, big or, or make that as my main focus, but it was fun. It was creative. I started making some fun TikToks initially. And then I actually started TikTok before I started Instagram. Um, so started getting good feedback on Instagram. I posted, like, I remember my first video that actually went viral was a trauma video. So it was literally an avulsion of a tooth and what to do with it, what to place it in and what not to place it in 30 seconds. And everyone showed interest. So I'm like, okay, you know what, maybe I should keep doing this. Um, so I just continued from there. I started earlier this year and, uh, I'm just trying to put stuff out there, the basics, even if it has just one or two messages in there that they leave with that message and start practicing easy to practice at home as parents my goal is to educate parents that's it 
well kind of something that you said was also like preventative like care and like I, that's my, my phrase is always like preventative treatment is the best treatment if we're yeah. able to having to even go drilling and filling if I can tell you like basic stuff because like that's the thing like when we're in school we we just think of it as second nature stuff like the frequency of how much sugar you're eating or brushing your yeah. teeth today that's not common knowledge to a lot of people especially parents and yeah. like when you give them that information and they like learn it and then you see like such an improvement just over over a short amount of time, it's amazing. And that's kind of like what's so great about Instagram is it's a very approachable way or a very feasible way to like get information because the attention span, even I'm guilty of this, attention span is so short nowadays. It's like 20 seconds. If, I, if I'm if not paying attention, I'm going to skip and I'm not going to find out what I, what to say is. So yes. social media is a very powerful tool, especially like what your kind of approach is. So I'm glad you're on Instagram. Um, how do you film your reels? Because like they look so great. Like they, they look uh, professional. I'm, I, I'm really interested in <laughs> Learn thank you, dude. thank you. It was it was all a process. That's why before we we started this podcast, I told you don't worry, one step at a time. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, I I started off filming on my iPhone, um, mm-hmm. and uh, no microphone, just like AirPods, and it was good. It was good quality, decent. Then I started like looking around, and I'm like, you know what? I really want to do this. I have like a day a week of of free time that I can plan and record. So I'm like, maybe I should start looking into a proper camera, proper microphone. That's the next step that I got. And then finally I said, you know what, let's just go for video editing. So I found, I started editing the videos myself initially, but I did spend a lot more time editing than actually coming up with the content. And I wanted to put out more than what I was putting out. I was putting out maybe two to three a week. Now I wanted to put out six to seven a week. You know, I wanted to just have the the information being repeated, constantly being hammered into parents as well as dentists that want to train kids, treat kids. And, um, then I found an editor and now my, if you look at the types of videos that I have on my Instagram, some of them are looking like they're professionally edited. You can see that, you know, they're, they're the more educational ones. And then they're the ones that I'm kind of doing on my day to day where I'm just walking around, whether it's downtown Toronto, walking my dog in the car, in the office, trying to teach something clinical and those I do off my phone. So I set up a place in my apartment with a proper background, you know, um, proper lighting and step by step it does take an investment but you uh you I, I just find the videos yeah do look better they're more engaging and then I want parents to stick to the end so definitely quality eventually influences that engagement I feel you on the whole the editing process because doing some longer videos where you're like editing like I use iMovie and I'm like the amount of time I spent on this like 30 second video I think I spent like two hours doing yeah. it versus like and I've noticed some of my content where I'm, I'm really just on a walk like you said with my dog or something Pull the yeah. camera, I'm talking like it's a nice day outside. Those will get more views. And it's like, well, what's the what am I what's my my goal here? Is it to get views yeah. or is it to get good quality content? I think the answer is always good quality content. It's easier to yeah. go, uh, oh, I need more. But at the end of the day, like if people are want to watch your stuff and they're looking for something important, that's that's more important, obviously, than going yeah. or something. And, so. I, and I think the editing does make a difference because like I still want my information on the edited ones to be listened to. So yeah. it is still important. I just got to figure out, I know it's like more dry material. So I use the editing to yeah. kind of keep it engaging. Whereas yes, the quick little tips, sometimes I give little tips for dentists, you know, on how to better treat uh, pediatric patients. Those are like 30 seconds and people are watching them, you know, and then it doesn't matter how you edit. They want to know that information. What, so, yeah. what, what editing program do you use? Is it like Final Cut Pro or something? Or when I use editing myself, um, I use Splice. So okay. on my phone and on my iPad and then uh, my editor, yeah, he does 
some Photoshop stuff, Adobe okay. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, iMovie is good, but like I think like what I've heard from other people, like Final Cut, or I've never actually heard of. Yes, I, I might check that out. That sounds yeah. Like... Final Cut, I mean, is definitely like yeah, it's the, really the love, right? Yeah. So I I was like, if I start getting into that, then I'm going to be spending a lot of time editing because I want to make it more creative and engaging myself. So I gave that as a delegation. I do have like a lot of other things that I want to do. Like social media was one thing, but I want to get newsletters out there, websites out there. I want to do online courses. So I just felt like if I keep focusing on these two, you know, I guess sources of education, I won't be able to get to those other things. So I started delegating that and yeah. Okay, great. Well, kind of closing out the interview, I want to learn a little bit more about you, like fun yeah. stuff. So what's three fun facts about you, Nick? Um, three fun facts. Okay. Well, I guess we talked about what I wanted to be growing up, but I did never mention my biggest, biggest career passion was I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be, yeah, that was like the goal for life. It still was like brought up in my twenties. Like I would tell my parents, I'm like, you know, if dentistry doesn't work out, I'm going to leave and go into acting. So I love like performing. I was a dancer growing up. So com combination of acting and dancing is what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into Bollywood. So yeah, that was definitely um, a goal of mine. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like just in the in Indian parent, like, because like, I'm obviously Indian too, but like yep. doctor or whatever, but like Bollywood star, like if you could make it, like they, they ain't complaining you're not a doctor at that point. Like if you're- Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the whole time they're reminding me how much of a struggle it is. And they're like, you're not going to make it like you're a struggle. And I get their perspective, like, yeah, you, you know, know. Go up through difficult times. So they're like, I want something that's, you know, more guaranteed. And I don't regret it. I'm glad they did that. But yes, if I could restart life all over again, I would have just stuck to acting. Well, what kind of acting did you want to do? Like movies, TV shows? Yeah, I wanted to do Bollywood movies. That's it. Like full yeah. dancing, all that stuff. Oh, that's cool. And that uh, was the next one. Yeah. Fun, uh, fun stuff, I guess. I mean, I, I obviously still love dancing, but then um, I love animals. Um, I'm a huge dog lover. I have uh, a dog that I, you know, got myself uh, when I was in Montreal and had to leave him in Montreal with my family. So he's my family dog now, but love my dog. 70 pound boxer. Oh, wow. Amazing, amazing, amazing dog. And I'm probably going to get another one eventually, but I'm kind of still attached to him right now. So trying to get him out here in Toronto. But if I'm not in Toronto and I'm in Montreal, I'm probably hanging out with my dog. What are, what kind of dog are you looking at potentially? What smaller dog, same kind of size? Yeah, I think Toronto condo life is is better to get a small one, but it's hard to go to a small dog once you have a big one. So let's see. I don't know. Great. Um, another fun fact, uh, I love traveling. Um, I do a lot of solo traveling. I just got back from Spain last week. So yeah, more more adventures to come. So if you follow me on Instagram, you will see all those trips because I definitely post about that. So Spain was amazing. Food was amazing. Um, yeah, just love traveling. Spain is definitely a good time. I've been a couple of times now. And what was what was your favorite part about going to Spain? Um, honestly, okay, so I went solo. And uh, I think overall, the trip itself was an experience. So I think that, you know, on its own was amazing. But um so I learned Spanish for five years when I was a teenager and I wanted to always practice it again because I started losing it as I grew up and I thought Spain would be the best place to go and actually utilize my Spanish. So that's exactly what I did. And I loved that part the most to be able to speak Spanish, understand them. And also just uh, the difference in cities. I did Barcelona, but then I also did the South of Spain, which were like smaller cities. So getting that both experience of metropolitan Spain and, and rural Spain, I guess was, was nice. It's amazing that you know to speak Spanish. I, I wish yeah. I, 
But um, no, that's awesome. Uh, well, thanks again for joining the show, Nick. I had such a great time talking with you. You can find Dr. Nick on Instagram at Nick the Dentist, and you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Dylan Sharma. Check out previous episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next time.